If you will, and you're able to stand, uh, we are about to read the words of the King of Kings in Revelation 1, 9 through 20. As we read these verses, I want you to pay close attention to what it is that the Apostle John sees and what it is that the Apostle John hears. Revelation chapter 1, starting in verse 9. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pergamum and to Thyatira and to Sardis and to Philadelphia and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed in a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest, the hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. From his mouth, a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are, and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. The subject that I want to talk about today is surprised by the Savior. Surprised by the Savior. That's what happens in verses 9 through 11. The Apostle John is, is sitting in exile on this island. He's there so that 
he can be silenced. So he can be away from people because he's been so faithful to testify of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's all alone. Worshipping, that is to say, he's all alone of humans. He's worshipping in the Spirit of God and by the strength of the Spirit of God. And it's a Sunday. The Lord's Day. The day when Jesus left the grave. So he's worshipping and he is surprised by the Savior. In the midst of his private worship service, Christ creeps up behind him. And he's surprised. He's surprised by what he hears. And then, and then he, what he turns and sees. And then what all of that makes him feel. And he's commanded to write all of this down. And there's a lot, even just in this passage that he sees, but I want to just summarize for you what it is he writes down for us in these verses. And that is the good news that the Savior we got is the God we need. I know it's uh, just the first week of school, uh, and, and so that's why I feel okay with a little bit of not so good English. The, the Savior we got is the God we need. I, I wonder if you're familiar with the idea that how you feel can really all boil down to who you got. Uh, let me give you a, an example of something I experienced just really recently at a, a church event, a fun thing we did for the kids. It was a watermelon eating contest. And I, how I felt was determined by who I had. I had Peyton right there in front of a slice, a huge slice of watermelon. And because we got him, we got first. So we felt just fine. You understand the idea or, or you could just imagine it. Like if you were in a really high stakes basketball game and all of a sudden someone shows up with the same jersey you've got on and it's Michael Jordan. That would affect how you feel if you got Michael Jordan. Or imagine something a little less playful. A dangerous situation. But in walks Chuck Norris. <laughs> and when you think about it, I mean, he'd be good in all those other situations too, you know. <laughs> I think you get the idea how you feel depends on who you got. Who you got. I wonder if you've come this morning knowing you can't do it. Knowing if you're going to make it through this world. If you're going to do okay after this world. That you need more than yourself. Well, I'm here to tell you the Savior we got 
in this church, in this book, is the God we need. What John sees and what John hears is going to reveal to us three characteristics about the Savior we got. And the first one is in verses 12 through 16. The Savior we got is more than a man. He's more than a man. I want just to remind you whose words we're reading when we read verses 12 through 16. These aren't the words of someone who's a stranger to Jesus Christ. This is more like hearing the words of someone who maybe would be talking about you, who also had kind of lived with you all your life. That, that's the Apostle John who is telling us about Jesus, and he is surprised. Whenever he hears these Words, the voice that comes up behind him and says, write to all these churches what you see. And then when he turns and he sees a guy who has a robe whose train is more royal and more long than John was expecting. And when he looks closer What he's really struck by is that it seems that the Lord Jesus has done something with his hair. And this is not the the same Jesus with, you know, the blonde hair. No, I don't think it's probably blonde hair. The dark hair. Maybe it's even better to say something's been done to his hair. It's white like wool. And his voice is not the same voice. John, who knew his voice, had heard before. It is like the roar of the waves that would be crashing in the Pacific Ocean. John is surprised. When John turns and sees one like a son of man, he sees... And experiences the surprise of the Savior. Now, it's important that you know in this passage, but we're going to keep seeing one like a son of man throughout this book. It's important for you to know that this figure, one like a son of man, is someone who was promised in the Old Testament. And right now, I just want you to know from the vision of Daniel that this is the king of God's people. He's a king who would put all the suffering to end for God's people. He's a king who's more powerful than all the enemies of God in all of history. That's who John sees. The Son of Man, he would remember from Daniel's prophecy, is someone who serves God Almighty. It's the one who Daniel saw. When Daniel saw God Almighty, God Almighty was the one with this exact description of hair that was white like snow and like wool. And so what John 
comes to realize in a deeper way than he had ever realized before is the Savior we got. Is the God we need. Because the Savior he knows is described and looks just like the God he knows. Beloved, our Savior is like a son of man because he's like us. That is to say, Jesus Christ is human. But our Savior, Jesus Christ, there's just more to say about him than that he's like us. He's like someone else. He showed himself to a man in this vision who has all of the limitations that you have. John is the kind of man who dwells among men and women who can work at things and and make plans for things, but cannot guarantee anything. You and I, are like John, we, we worry about the future because we can't make the future we want happen. And we don't know what's next. We, you, you and I are, are like the man we see here, John, who even if we try to do good, we don't always do good. And we can't get everything we want to go the way we want it to go when we want it to go. John understands the limitations that you do that as much as he wants to do, he fails to do so much. He disappoints many probably because he's just like you and he's just like me and everyone that we ever, ever deal with. But learn what John learned. Even though our Savior came down to us, be really careful that you don't keep Jesus down at your level. The man, the one like a son of man who suffered on a cross to save us is... This God who rules everything and who lives in inapproachable glory. Verse 14, John finally gets to see him and his hair finally reflects his age. Jesus, our Savior, is the ancient God. And and that White hair also communicates all of his experience, all of his wisdom, all of his know-how, all the things that you need and the things that I need because we lack it in this life. John is able to see and then he, he's, he obeys the command to then write it down so that we would see the eyes of the Lord Jesus or the eyes of God. Not just a man. He has the eyes that can pierce even the thoughts of men. It's like fire searching 
and knowing what we're thinking and feeling right this moment. Our Savior has more than just the feet of a man. He's got the feet of God. He can, with his bronze feet, trample anything in his way. And verse 16, our Savior, out of his mouth, comes a razor-sharp sword. Because what this instrument that other kings use to conquer, he will use his mouth to conquer. And there will be a day when he speaks and every one of his enemies will be completely judged. John was surprised by the Savior. He just didn't remember seeing this side of his Savior while he was living out the chosen. He's very familiar with the gentle and lowly Jesus. And now he's reminded, and so are you, that Jesus is more than gentle and lowly. Redeemer Church and Friends of this church. The Lord Jesus Christ took on mortality temporarily. And he was weak, really, for a time. But never again. The time for anyone to lay hands on him, to harm him, is over forever. He is more than a man. This Savior we got is God. Our Savior, though, secondly, is greater than death. We'll see this. In verses 17 and 18, he's more than a man, but he's also greater than death. Uh, I can't help here, but tell you a little bit about the land of Narnia for a spell. Some of you will appreciate this because you know the land of Narnia. Um, others, I will guide you through it. Uh, John gets to experience here what a little girl got to experience in C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia whenever a beaver, Mr. Beaver, uh, told her that Aslan, who is the Christ figure in the world of Narnia, that Aslan is a lion and, and she understands what he's saying. And she says, well, is he safe? I will be really nervous if I had to meet a lion. And Mr. Beaver said, safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he's not safe. But he is good. He's the king. In Graham, Texas, too often, there's a just a safe Jesus walking around. 
here. You, you won't get thrown into an island talking about Jesus. Here. People are quite comfortable with Jesus. Very familiar with Jesus. And the more you listen to some people talk about Jesus here in Graham, Texas, you would come to conclude that he doesn't have really any power or any authority, that he just is this guy who's just just knocking. You know, he's just asking. He's just waiting for you. Here we can get real casual in our conception of the Christ. We think of him casually. We talk about him casually. We claim his approval of us casually. He told me this. He showed me that. And it always ends up being the very thing that we want most in our life that he tells us we're supposed to do and he shows us it's going to happen. I want you to be reminded from Revelation chapter 1 that it's possible to become too comfortable with the Savior. I want to remind you what happens every single time someone sees him. Like every single time he allows people to actually see him. It's probably more like every single time a person sees a lion face to face for the first time. When Isaiah, the prophet, uh, saw Jesus, he didn't run up to him. He wailed. In fear. When the apostle Peter was allowed to get a glimpse that Jesus is more than a man, Peter cowed, this courageous, loudmouth, confident Peter cowed down, lost all strength to stand, and was overwhelmed by his sin. And when the apostle John is getting a glimpse of the glory Of Jesus in verse 17. When I saw him. I fell at his feet as though dead. It is a mistake. For any of us to think. That Jesus is someone you can be comfortable with. But beloved, read on and you'll hear that the Savior we got isn't comfortable, but he is comforting. He says, he laid his right hand on me. So he is he's laid out as though dead. And Jesus says, fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. Now, did you hear some more surprise? Even as he was speaking, he said, I am the first and I am the last. If you're 
acquainted with your Old Testament, you will hear those first two words, especially I am. I am the Lord who created everything, who was not created. I am the first and the last in this sense. There's no one who preceded me. There's no one who will outlast me. I am the God who appeared to Moses in a burning bush. And if you'll recall, I am the God who when I burned that bush, I didn't use its leaves to give me fuel. Because I don't need anything to live. I am the living one. And I died. Surprising. And there are things that this one, God, cannot do. And dying is one of them. And for that matter, there are things that man cannot do, which is not die. And not do anything after die. So what we're being told here is that when God gave us a savior, he gave us His son, God, who took on the ability to do what he could not do before, becoming a man who could die, but then dying as God would die. Death is a prison that no one has ever escaped. But when the living one got there into that prison, he took the keys. Our Savior is greater than death. This is why he's so great a Savior. I wonder if you want to hear from him. Whenever those fears creep in about death, And what that will be like. I wonder if you're able to understand. That after death. You'll be delivered to a holy God. And if you've ignored him all your life. Death will be much better than facing him. I wonder if you know how. To not fear that. Well it's only. If you can hear from him. What John heard from him. Because of who John was to him. John trusted him. And he's saying to John, I am the living one. And yes, every other man will die and go to this prison and won't be able to give up, but the living one can't stay there. And because I died, not because of my sin, but because of the sin of other people who deserve this death, Anyone who trusts in me, I got the keys. So I'm not staying there and you won't stay there either. If you trust in me, I'll get you out. Of the death you fear and the God who's more fearsome. He'll see you in my righteousness. He won't see your sin anymore. 
That's how he can say fear not. I have conquered death and I'm alive. I've got the keys. Now, everyone here can benefit from that. I don't assume everyone here has benefited from that. And so I want to invite everyone here to consider. Who will help you? When no one can help you. When your death delivers you. To a God who if if you haven't lived your life for him, if you've that equates to ignoring him and not treating him with glory, who will deliver you then? I've been to so many funerals. I've sat in your seat and I've heard people who have ignored God act like pretend like death is no big deal. And that death can lead to happiness for everyone and always leads to happiness for everyone. It does not. But there is one who can get you out of Hades' grave and then get you out of God's hell. And his name is Jesus Christ. And if you turn to him for forgiveness and follow him, he will lead you to his home. Savior, we got is the God we need. And we need a Savior who's greater than death. That's who we have. He's greater than death. He's more than a man. But then thirdly, he's closer than you think. Verses 19 and 20. He's closer than you think. Now, I want to speak to those who are here who are not doubting anything about Jesus. Those who are turning to him and trust him, who have every confidence that he is the God who can help us. And, and he will not let us face death alone and God alone. I want to speak to you. Because there are going to be times, if you're like me, when you're struggling, and I think John was like this. When you're struggling with not so much that last day, but this day. How to get through this day. I mean the people who believe he's more than a man and believe that he's greater in death, but also understand that because he's just so glorious, he's also really far away from this world of death. He's defeated it. And he's, he's in heaven. He's reigning on the throne of glory. He is untouchable by any of the suffering that we're still walking through in this world and still enduring great Loss and at times great loneliness that comes to everyone who is going to be faithful to the Lord Jesus. The kind of people who who know he's not going to let me down in death, but. I just need to get through this life to get to him. And it's so hard. 
Well, I want you to look especially at verse 20. When Jesus says that the lampstands, the seven golden lampstands, that John had seen the vision of the Lord Jesus walking among the lampstands in verse 12. That's where he is. That's where he saw Jesus in all of his glory was not next to a throne in this vision, but among the lampstands, those lampstands are his churches. In other words, the Savior we got is closer than you think. Is closer than you are so regularly, I'm so regularly tempted to think that he is. He is God. And he is in heaven, but as God, he can be everywhere. And he says, where I choose to be is close to my people. Now, he's close especially to the lampstands. That is his local churches. And that is good news for Redeemer Church. I, I don't know how, if you're a member of the church, how aware you are of how needy we are as a church, how, how much I'm praying, and I hope you're praying for God to give us more elders, to even give us a staff pastor, for God to, to do something great with our youth ministry and our children's ministry, to, to give us endurance in, in what is a town that is very familiar with Jesus, but is often hostile to the biblical Jesus. And it can be very discouraging to try to be faithful to him. And you know, Redeemer Church, that he is with us. He is closer than you think at times. And that is true if you're a believer who lives your life where he is. He's closer than you think as well. Be encouraged, Christian. Our Christ is close to us. And the keys we're in need of. That can get us out of anything he's holding. I'm not saying... He'll get you out of it in the sense that you won't have to go through it. Keys aren't stopping our death. The keys are for those who have died. And he then turns them to unlock life eternal. And that just means that he has everything for the worst of this world. And he's close to us. I hope that's strengthening to you as it was to Daniel whenever he saw God and this Savior and was terrified. But then once the Savior started speaking to him, he was strengthened. We don't have to be afraid of any danger that comes close to us because of who's close to us. He will be with us. He will not leave us. Even then, whenever we need God and we often need God as a church and as believers. And we've got God. 
in Jesus Christ. He is closer than you think. I heard a, a good joke. Um, it's actually when, when, when there are jokes about Chuck Norris, they're, they're, <laughs> they're, part of the joke is they're called facts. Um, just last week, I was told, um, you know what Chuck Norris has underneath his beard? Another fist. And I, was, I was like, that's so good. You know, no matter how many of these I hear, I just can keep learning more and more about the greatness of Chuck Norris. John was surprised by the Savior. He was surprised that that, that his person was as glorious as he is. He was surprised that his power goes as far as it does even to death and Hades. He was surprised that his proximity was closer than, than John could have imagined. I mean, this is a man who knew Jesus. He knew that the Savior was the Son of Man, but he learned that day that he was also the Ancient of Days. This is a man who, who knew that his Savior had died, but, but then he learned that his Savior has the keys to death in Hades. He knew that Jesus had ascended into heaven in victory, but he learned that day by seeing Jesus again. He was surprised to learn just how close he is to those who are struggling and who love him. I want you to consider. If an apostle. Arguably the closest apostle to the Lord Jesus. Can sometimes underestimate the Savior. Isn't it likely that you do? I know I do. And don't don't mishear me. I'm not I'm not up here. You won't ever hear me say, you know, the I won't say like, don't don't put the savior in the box and, and by that just lead you with, well, what do we do? No one can know him. He's too great. You can't know anything about him. Let's just give up trying or just we'll all guess and we'll all. Validate each other's guesses about who the Savior is. No. Jesus is who God says he is. And Jesus is greater than you think. There is a cure for underestimation. And that is greater revelation. That, that's what cured John of not understanding the fullness of who he has. Greater revelation that we'll see week in and week out through this series. But beloved, let me just leave you with this statement. The Savior we got is greater than we thought. Oh, Lord Jesus, we pray that you would lead us in the spirit. That we would worship you in the spirit. That that on this your day, that we would see more of you. That we might 
increase in faith and decrease in fear of the things of this world. We pray that we would increase in the kind of confidence in you that you deserve. You are better than we could imagine. And we pray that you would expand our knowledge of you as we come and meet with you in your word every week. We pray this in your name. Amen.